Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello, everybody, and thanks for being with us on The Great America Show, where truth, justice, and the American way are simply what we're all working to preserve, our way of life, our American values, our liberty for all and for all Americans who follow us. And speaking of truth, what is the truth about the Russian war on Ukraine? Why did Vladimir Putin invade Ukraine? Why are his generals and his army failing him? And how is it that the Ukrainians have been so fiercely dogged in their defense of the homeland? How could Putin and most of the world have so badly underestimated the character and ability of the Ukrainians to stave off what was supposed to be, in the minds of most military analysts, the second most powerful army in the world? Not so fast, said Volodymyr Zelensky. And now, more than three weeks after the Russians invaded Ukraine, the Russians haven't taken a single city among the 10 largest cities in Ukraine. Incredible. And what does Putin do now? Putin has disgraced himself before the free peoples of the world and among the far from free Russian people. Xi Jinping, an unrivaled totalitarian, must fear at least in small measure what having selected Putin for a partner, a strategic partner for crying out loud, what that says to members of the Chinese Communist Party about Xi himself, who has just made the biggest mistake of his rule as president of China, assenting to the invasion of Ukraine, assuring Putin of his support, financial, economic, geopolitical, and now perhaps militarily. A dangerous mistake to have cast his lot with Putin, who I'm sure Xi never dreamed would be humiliated by the Ukrainian army and resistance. Or was it a mistake? Certainly for Putin, but not necessarily for Xi. Has in fact Xi played Putin with a strategy to encourage Putin to invade Ukraine with an almost certain consequence of Putin's war on Ukraine leading to destabilization of Eastern Europe and possibly the European Union itself? Possibilities, I think. She perhaps considered if Putin were to founder in Ukraine, provoke a weakened NATO, that Russia would turn to him for help, as he has done. But as a supplicant, left deeply in debt, living on borrowed Chinese capital, for my part, it's hard to imagine she would put his prestige and power at risk, or outright jeopardy, by affixing himself to a mere mortal dictator who sought Xi's approval and support before invading Ukraine. Now that the Russian army has been to this point, at least outfought and outmaneuvered by an army and resistance that successfully has defended for more than three weeks Ukraine, the world is stunned. The vaunted Russian military hasn't been able to take even one of those cities. Putin's military has rained death and destruction down on those cities and nearly all of Ukraine. They're devastated, but the Russians don't control Ukraine, and they've created millions of refugees, and that refugee crisis is now a global crisis as well. 
With us to take up all of this is a great American, the former chief of staff to the Secretary of Defense and assistant to President Trump, as well as federal prosecutor of national defense cases. Kash Patel, great to have you with us here on The Great America Show. Let's start first with something that is receiving very little attention before we turn actually to the war, to the conflict that is a now a global conflict in the sense that uh, cyber warfare, information warfare, uh, psychological warfare is, uh, is rampant. Uh, the refugee crisis, I, I just looked down at the numbers yesterday. They had moved up 200,000 today. They were up another 200,000. We're talking over 3 million refugees now from a population of uh, roughly 40 million people in Ukraine. What are we to do? Well, Lou, it's so good to be with you, and I appreciate you leading off the show with this important topic that really almost no one's covering. And, and you know, you know what the, the irony of all is that you know the Dems and the uh, you know the mainstream media would normally have been the ones screaming about a refugee crisis uh, because it is a crisis if President Trump were still in power. But let me just tell you one of the biggest problems with war, which is why President Trump was so ferociously against any war, starting new wars and ending the ones that existed, is because generations worth of human beings, children, women, men, get displaced and moved out of their country and into camps and tent life for generations. That takes 20 and 30 years to fix. And as you astutely pointed out, almost 10% of the Ukrainian population is now refugees, no longer living in their country of birth, their home nation. And that is just one of the biggest tragedies of this war that Putin has started um, under Biden's watch. And for the first time that I can recall, Lou, the mainstream media isn't even covering it because it happened on Biden's watch. And oh, by the way, at least we're talking about it. But I would think that this would be the one issue that would galvanize people left, right, middle, where have you to say, we have got to figure out a way to end Putin's reign. But it just doesn't seem to be getting any traction. And it's uh, it's something that we're going to be dealing with for, for decades. And I think it's important that people recall that the last major uh, refugee crisis approaching this order was the Syrian refugee crisis. Yes. Uh, and that under President Obama and with uh, without solution. Uh, uh, rather, the, you know, it is it, it's stunning. You're right about the uh, it, it's really the duplicity of the national left wing corporate media in. They are so selective in what they cover, what they don't, what they're honest about and what they aren't. Uh, don't you agree? I completely agree. And you're right to, yeah, you know, you beat me to it. You, you connected the biggest refugee crisis in modern history, the ones in Syria and places like Iraq and Afghanistan. You know, and in my, in my career service, I've been to these refugee camps and it is heartbreaking as putting it mildly. And the thing that happens in some of these refugee camps, as we tried to root out in the Trump administration, is that unfortunately groups like Al Qaeda and ISIS take advantage of the humanitarian aid efforts that are going on in those camps to see terrorists in those camps to do harm to America and American allies down the road. So it's just a tragedy all around. And um, your reference to the Syrian to the Syrian one is just so right on point. And we're dealing with that, Lou, what, 10 years down the road? And there's still, there's no resolution to the refugee crisis in that country. And really, there's no new apparatus, no new architecture, if you will, in the United States for, the, for dealing uh, with those refugees, uh, and and it, it's a it's a complicated issue without question, 
But the fact that the United States government uh, abandons control of its borders, uh, abandons any effort in most cases. Uh, the Trump administration certainly tried for the first time to actually vet uh, the, the refugees, as you well know, uh, because you were part of that effort. But to, to, to be where we are today, our borders don't matter. Uh, people who mm -hmm. enter our country don't matter under this administration. Uh, it, it's really sickening to watch, and it is extraordinarily dangerous to the republic. No, you could be more right, and we are creating a wave of of of, of children, of future generations who won't be educated, who won't have the resources and the availability to grow up in a free society and um, have the experiences that we are so fortunate to have here in America. And unfortunately, that's going to breed a certain level of hatred and contempt uh, incorrectly, I believe, for our values. Um, and it's all because of Putin, who is taking advantage of a completely weakened national security apparatus for the United States, because there's no one and no force willing to push back on it. And um, now here we are talking yet again um, on your show about, I guess we're in what, week three of, of, of war here right. on the global stage. Absolutely. And, and President Biden, his language, his rhetoric resembles more closely a neighborhood thug uh, than it does uh, a, a statesman uh, or a president, certainly. I, I cannot imagine what has happened to a man who receded from even the discussions of Ukraine for over two weeks and now is moving forward and, and making all of these uh -huh. spurious and inflammatory remarks, uh, threatening, threatening Xi Jinping, and at a time when we should be working toward a peaceful uh, settlement, if not a settlement, a truce, a ceasefire, He's he's trying to inflame Vladimir Putin for crying out loud. I mean, he's literally doing it. Um, I don't know if it's intentionally because I'm not sure he's capable of doing anything intentionally, 100 percent. But indirectly with his, um, you know, his his unending desire to just reverse everything Trump that worked. And what you outlined is just a perfect example of it, be it the um, killing of the Keystone Pipeline or be it of the lifting of the Nord Stream 2 sanctions so that the Russians could get their giant pipeline into Germany and they could make billions of dollars, be it uh, being a step too late to reverse these policies um, that he now knows failed. Um, and, and for some reason, he thought they would they would secure freedom, but they've only secured war. And now we have uh, presidents and leaders and premiers around the world who don't even include America in global conversations, be it on oil and gas pricing or Ukraine or NATO conversations. We have a commander in chief who's just not even there. And to round out the conversation, Lou, I'm, I know you saw our vice president, Kamala Harris, when she was asked on the global stage last week about the refugee crisis, which we just talked about, she laughed out loud. She literally yeah. laughed out loud. So this is the American leadership that um, was so supposedly chosen um, to to lead us into the, uh, you know, into out of the forest from the Trump administration. And I think uh, the world is seeing that what we did worked. What right. Lou Dobbs reported on was the truth and it was working. And uh, now you see what fails. And what is failing uh, clearly is Kamala Harris as vice president of the United States. No one <laughs> wants to say that out loud in the uh, corporate media. Uh, and the Biden administration apparently has quietly uh, shelved her 
put her <laughs> uh, put her out of the way for, before she embarrasses herself, uh, the Biden administration, uh, the U.S. government, and the American people further. I have never seen a performance as awkward. I've seen some awkward uh, vice presidents, frankly, but I've never seen anything that rises to this level of just ignorance of the facts uh, and no knowledge base. And uh, then the last tweeting directly into the teeth of a, a firestorm that we were defending the NATO interest in Ukraine. Uh, that you don't have to have a clever mind to understand that just as a, a dumb, dumb thing to have said in any forum uh, and certainly on social media. I, apparently, the president has had a belly full. Well, I don't know. And think, I mean, think, he, of, he, think about that, that concept. Yeah, <laughs> He's run out of exactly. patience with, with that inept uh, official. <laughs> yeah, who failed us on the border and who's failing us overseas, and now who's uh, you know, leading efforts to have America fund border initiatives for another country, but not ours. Oh. I mean, it's just the height of hypocrisy, and the, again, another example of the politicization of the national security apparatus. Just because the border security initiatives and the border wall worked under President Trump because he did them, they don't want to do them. And uh, you and I have talked about endlessly about the opioid crisis that's on the rise, Chinese fentanyl, the, the, the deaths of our children and our youth in this society um, is increasing exponentially because these people just don't want to do what works. And the, as you have said, the lamestream media doesn't want to cover it. And the, the Democratic mayors of these, these large cities where those fentanyl yeah. overdoses are, are taking place primarily, uh, there is an alignment uh, between, it seems, the madness of foreign policy and the madness of domestic policy in this administration. He he's indifferent to sovereignty. He's indifferent to our borders and border security and illegal immigration. He's indifferent to outcomes, uh, whether they be uh, in Ukraine, uh, Russia, China. He's threatened. Imagine this. He has threatened the leaders of the two next most powerful nations on the planet. And to what end? He's trying to end a conflict. I would love to see him win a Nobel Peace Prize, uh, but unlike <laughs> his, like his uh, ideological uh, predecessor, uh, I'd rather uh, it be for uh, something he actually did. In this case, he could bring a truce about in uh, Ukraine. Don't you believe? Well, I mean, I think a strong commander in chief could. I just don't think we have that right now. President Biden and his everyday actions showed it that what we've been outlining here um, by Biden himself going out and allowing China and Xi Jinping and Putin and Russia to rise in power, to rise in a position of dominance over the United States for the first time. in, well, as far as I can remember, and those two countries taking advantage of a failure in Western leadership, democratic principles to say, we are going to grow in power. We are going to dictate the terms of global authority to the U.S. Oh, and oh, all the while, um, while conducting endless cyber attacks and infrastructure attacks on the United States. And since our defense department is focused on the weather, um, we won't pick up on it till the next administration. And I'm sure they'll have someone else to blame by then. Um, this is what this is what the politicization of the defense apparatus and the national security apparatus has led to. And, you know, I hate to say, look, Lua, you and I have had this conversation. I'm cheering for Joe Biden to win 
on national oh, security. I always have been. But I'm, I'm saddened to say he is failing, and I just don't think he is in a position to lead anything and resolve this matter in any fashion. And I'm hoping someone else on the global stage steps up, or maybe someone in Russia will step up to Putin. As daunting as that might sound, that might be the only way out of this. Yeah, and from and what we've had from the American uh, <laughs> legislature, Congress, and Senate uh, is yeah. uh, Lindsey Graham calling for the assassination of President <laughs> Putin. That has been extremely helpful. And then we have uh, uh, Mitt Romney deciding that we should send planes no matter what for a no-fly zone, period. Uh, and he's uh, patting everybody on the head, telling them not to be concerned about the fact that Putin has said such an act would be, he would consider it to be a, an act of war. Uh, we have some of the most intellectually challenged I'll be kind as I can be, uh, <laughs> senators uh, imaginable. Um, and by the way, at least the Russians produced a, a, a member of their uh, Duma uh, who called for reparations for having taken Alaska uh, and a Northern California port. And he wants those back immediately, uh, plus monetary compensation. Uh, and by the way, it wouldn't be a bad idea to just launch a nuclear device uh, toward the United States as a little bit of a wake-up call, I guess, in his mind to make sure that we understood uh, he was a very serious member of the Duma. Uh, your reaction to all of that? Well, look, obviously, I mean, I totally, totally disagree with anything that the Russian Duma and the Russians under Putin are doing, but at least they're putting Russian interests first, um, which is something is that, that yep. the, the idea of putting America's interests first uh, makes us sound like either we're racist or xenophobes or neo neocons or whatever the verbiage is of the day for the lamestream media, as if me and you being Americans wanting to take care of America first. And that's not saying we don't want to take care of the rest of the world, but putting our initiatives first. And as you've highlighted, some of these members of Congress who are basically um, peddling for the defense industrial complex, because, look, as a former chief of staff for the Defense Department, I'll be the first one to tell you, the only person that wins, the only people that win in war is the defense industrial complex because they make billions, billions with multiples of zeros. Um, and these people that are talking about fighter jets and munitions and all this, who's paying for that, Lou? Uh, it's not private industry. It's the United States government and, their, and the taxpayer dollars that we pour in. And those contracts pour out to the defense industrial complex. And you bet um, they have their uh, hands in the pockets of so many members of Congress with all their lobbying. It is the largest lobbying conglomeration on planet Earth. And so that's why I'm not shocked to hear certain people on the Hill talk about how uh, effectively going to war would, is the only solution or the right solution. And oh, by the way, these met same members of Congress, I don't know if you saw this, Lou, were able to slip in a, a I think it was a 20% pay increase. Um, 21 per, in 21%. But, uh, Who's counting? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Round it any way you want. 25, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just uh, pick a number. Uh, the, you yeah. know, one thing, no matter the percentage, they didn't earn it. Uh, and, and to do that uh, so covertly in such a stealthy, uh, sneaky fashion uh, is just, yeah. It's just uh, who they are. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and what American, I don't care what party you're in, what American would say these people have earned a bonus or a, a pay raise? Mm -hmm. I don't believe anyone. Uh, let me 
let me turn to this new poll, Morning Consult political poll. 69% of voters saying the nation is on the wrong track under Joe Biden. Uh, how many of these polls do we have to see saying that <laughs> Biden is on the wrong track for that to have any impression at all on the Democratic Party? They don't well, give a damn. No, you're right. And Lou, you know this better than anyone. If that poll is saying 69%, you know it's more like 85% <laughs> because these polls are never actually accurate. These are the same polls and pollsters that said President Trump had a 2% chance of winning and Hillary Clinton was going to be president 98% all day long. So it's shocking, and people should take notice of, of some of these polls. 70% of Americans are saying it's headed in the wrong direction, and we're still continuing down this direction. Exactly. I thought this was an elected democracy where our members of Congress and our leadership in the White House would react to the situation under them uh, by the people who, who generate the policies or the decisions that, that should drive our nation. But what they're doing is just saying, forget the masses. We know better. We are going to continue to enrich the defense industrial complex. We are going to continue. We, and this is the hypocrisy of it all, Lou, we, the Democrats, are basically have done nothing to stop a war. Yet they excoriated past Republican presidents who dared to even attempt um, to uh, assist in a, in, a, in a conflict overseas. These same people are now basically doing everything they can to entangle us in a war with the conversations of fighter jets and no-fly zones, and, and things that they have actually no idea what the consequences of that are, which is boots on the ground wearing American flags on their shoulders. And that is not something you and I ever want to see, but uh, tragically, um, I don't see any American leadership steering us in another direction. I, 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 again, I couldn't agree with you more, Cash. And the fact we've just sent off 3,000 more of our, our troops, our soldiers, to Australia, because China has been making uh, belligerent remarks to the Australians as if 3,000 troops is somehow a now a symbol <laughs> that will shake to the foundation of the CCP uh, its faith in their military uh, power uh, and, their, and uh, get them to roll back their ambitions. This is, this is a level of stupidity in our U.S. government that I thought that we should have, if we could not intellectualize past it, at least we should recall the pain from uh, similar acts in our history. It's not smart. It's not effective. It, so what is its purpose? Political posturing, Lou. That's all it is. That's like when the, the same thing, when the Biden administration announced that we were sending thousands of, of troops uh, to Germany in the quote unquote eastern flank. Why are you sending thousands of troops to Germany in the eastern flank when we have 45,000 U.S. troops permanently stationed in Germany? And why are you now all of a sudden saying, oh, maybe we should move some of these people to Poland like we did in the Trump administration? Because they know the Polish government is our best asset over there. Why would we reward Germany who uh, got their bought and paid for Russian pipeline at the expense of American interests? And this is something that most people don't know. But... Our stationing of 45,000 troops in Germany is we pay for 5% of Germany's GDP. What do we get in return for that? Nothing. We get them signing with the Russians on cheap energy. We get them not doing their 2% for NATO. And now we are going to send more troops into that country and that region, like we're sending troops down to Australia to combat China, which, you know, I'm not a geography whiz, but I think they're still separated by like 4,000 miles. Um, it's political posturing. And so the New York Times and the mainstream media morons can come online and say, 
America is sending troops overseas. And just pause and, and look at that. These outlets that hate war, and rightfully so, are now championing the sending of American troops overseas in their taglines, their bylines, and all their crazy social media accounts. Yeah. And, and and Australia, I would have uh, I would have insisted that their prime minister uh, uh, forego and forestall any hint of authoritarianism in their government and their policies before I'd ever send another uh, soldier to anywhere near Australia. The Australian people have got to be beside themselves. They've watched their government yeah. turn into uh, I uh, I have to say at least I, I'll say something positive. They're only quasi fascist. Uh, but it is it is disgusting to watch what they they've done. It's as if they're trying to emulate Justin Trudeau. Uh, it, it's it, it's 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 heart sickening. So there it is. Uh, let, let's turn to, if we may, the Russian demands that uh, we stop our arms flow to Ukraine. Now, I thought once Putin said that we should have been furious because all we're doing is shipping arms to Ukraine. Uh, while we tell China not to ship arms to Russia. Uh, there is more, you were speaking uh, just moments ago of hypocrisy. There's hypocrisy at the highest level. How do we resolve that dilemma of hypocrisy? Oh, it, it's, that, that, that's <laughs> what, <laughs> it, it's, you know, I hate to laugh at it, but you need actual leadership to resolve that issue, which we just don't have it. I mean, I think what we would have done under the Trump administration is we would have had the ability to call Xi Jinping and Putin and say, hey, you want to talk about a global weapons supply? Let's put all of our you know, cards on the table, arms on the table, and come to a point where we stop shipping weapons uh, to countries around third party countries around the world just to antagonize our our enemies because we don't like each other. I mean, that's something that would have it just this sort of uh, sort of political horse trading, for lack of a better word, would not yep. have occurred under Trump because they wouldn't do it. But now, as you pointed out, they're sending weapons. And so what does that cause the American population to do? Or not or our elected officials, I should say, is now we're going to send weapons to the Ukraine. Well, let's just remind America that we send javelins and the like all over the world because these other countries don't have the capability to make and build them. And we send javelins right. on the Trump administration to Ukraine like we did other dozens right. of other places. So sending a few, you know more munitions and more ammunition, again, that is more political posturing because sending billions of dollars worth of weapons into a country that is under the siege of war, how are they going to, what are they going to do with them? Who's going to use them? Who did we train over the last two years to use those weapons? They just turned it off and now they want to turn the spigot back on and say, for their next headline, here we go, America sending 20 million, 20, 200 million dollars worth of weapons and munitions to Ukraine. It doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's just sickening to watch uh, what is happening to to truth. As always, when conflicts get this large, uh, they go well beyond the the borders of Ukraine. We're watching disinformation campaigns coming uh, across every you know through every uh, current in our body politic. It is it's so hard to understand what the truth is when you have an administration that lies as a matter of, of form uh, each day. Uh, so we have a very difficult time, uh, the American people, of discerning truth. Is it truth that actually Russia has only 10 days 
leapt uh, of munitions and weapons and <laughs> uh, and troops that they'll have to just yeah. fold their tents and go home, uh, which, by the way, is headline after headline saying that. Is it true that uh, uh, Ukraine can only hold out three days because they're surrounded by the enemy in every major city? And by the way, is it true that not a single one of the 10 largest cities in Ukraine has fallen to the Russians. The answer to the last question is, it's true. Absolutely true. And I think that shocked everyone uh, from Biden to Xi and most of all, Putin. I think you're right. And this shows, you know, a failure in our is sort of our intelligence apparatus, you know, which I was a deputy director of Intel for President Trump for a right. while there. Right. Um, and and because we focused our intelligence community, our, our, our you know, we, we only have so many people that can collect intelligence that we train to do that job with for. And we tell them to focus on Russia, China, Iran, terrorism and things like that. And that's why we, we had such a valuable stream of intelligence coming in. and We were able to make geopolitical decisions based on facts and evidence and information that we could verify. This administration has completely flipped this apparatus on its head and instead is focusing on climate change and the weather, which is fine if you're the EPA, but I disagree wholeheartedly with Joe Biden's attempt to say white rage and climate change are the issues of the day for the Defense Department, who is a member of the intelligence community. So I just don't trust that we are being given the right information. And when they're making these guesstimates and hedges, about global security and war uh, to the world, I just don't have any confidence that we have a leadership that is putting out the appropriate information to the world. Instead, they're just throwing Hail Marys and saying, well, we, we hope or we think that Russia is going to run out of arms in 10 days, as if that could ever be possible when Xi Jinping and China are ready to basically supply them for the next two years. And uh, people forget that she has a direct path to to uh, resupply uh, Putin. Uh, it, it's it's not as if they have to get permission from Poland, Belarus, uh, et cetera. To, it, it's ridiculous, uh-huh. the whole situation uh, and and heartrending at the same time. I, I want uh-huh. to turn, if I may, to uh, something that you and I, I suspect never dreamed possible that the New York Times actually took up the story of Hunter Biden <laughs> and his laptop uh, after every major news organization in the country was rationalizing, excusing, and explaining to the uh, unwashed uh, American peasants uh, like you and me that uh, why they couldn't bring the story forward. Uh, the most amazing things. I mean, this was going on right up to just a few days before the election in November of uh, 2020, uh, Jen Psaki of cheap among the, the propagandists. Yeah. Your reaction? Well, look, Lou, I mean, I'll, I'll start with you. You were one of the few guys courageous enough to actually report, you know, fact-based journalism. And that's exactly what the Hunter Biden laptop story encapsulates, fact-based journalism. You had an actual laptop that belonged to Hunter Biden. That was... Um, um, exploited uh, and basically showed the emails and the direct information. It's almost as if you had a videotape yourself of the crimes or suspected crimes being committed. And that was reported. And Twitter and Facebook kicked everybody off who reported on it. The New York Times called it Russian disinformation. Mm-hmm. And I went back and pulled the Times article and they said they relied on career CIA officers, 
and former intel analysts of the highest level to come to the conclusion that it was Russian disinformation. Actually, if you look at the letters, those, those group, the group of characters actually got together to write. <laughs> they themselves said, we cannot say this is Russian disinformation. We just believe it is because they were also politically in bed with anyone that wanted to take out President Trump. So the Times um, put out disinformation themselves so they could fit a political narrative, which was anything to take out Donald Trump. And like every other story, be it Russiagate, be it the Ukraine impeachment scenario hoax, be it now we're talking about Hunter Biden's laptop, we reported it, you reported it correctly and accurately. And now the gray lady or the gray scale or whatever they're calling themselves these days is now saying in, you know, in the back pages, uh, not that we got it wrong, but there, there actually might be something there. And um, I hope the U.S. attorney in Delaware is investigating this matter fully as he should be doing. Yeah, it, it's already taken almost uh, two years uh, to to move in any direction. I don't know of a Justice Department uh, in history that has taken mm-hmm. this long to come to a sensible conclusion about an investigation uh, that was that is straightforward. This it, here is a situation where the the laptop exists. We know who its owner is. We know what the messages mm-hmm. are. Our all of our uh, intelligence agencies and uh, law enforcement, in the case of the FBI, can discern what was on that laptop and extrapolate from it what was going on, as you suggested. Uh, it, it is disgusting because the Justice Department has been now uh, the designated place where truth goes to die uh, and uh-huh. never to be heard again. This is one of the exceptions. And if it hadn't been for a tax settlement, uh, I don't think that they, they would have ever acknowledged the reality of what has happened with that, uh, with Hunter Biden. Uh, it's, you know, these, these papers, these outlets, these corporate outlets are simply uh, political activist arms of the Democratic Party. Uh, you you get the last word here uh, in cash. We appreciate it. As always, our guests get the last word and uh, I turn it over to you. No, I, <laughs> you and I are on the same page and, you know, coming on your show is one of the, uh, it's one of the few places in media I actually enjoy doing our converse, are having our conversations because you allow people to speak and you, you, you put out truth-based reporting which is a scarcity uh, in these days. So, you know, for me, I'm just happy to, to, to be uh, still on that roll call uh, for the Great America Show with Lou Dobbs. And I will, uh, since I have the last word, I will, I'm going to surprise you, Lou. And I'm going to tell you right. something I don't think you'd ever heard out of my mouth. But uh, me, Cash Patel, is now on social media, if you can believe it. All right. <laughs> but I'm on, I'm on Truth Social. So uh, President Trump and Devin Nunes convinced me uh, you can now actually follow me at cash, at K-A-S-H. Uh, but bear with me because I have no idea how social media works or what I'm supposed to be doing on there. So if you and your, if you and your tremendous following could give me a few pointers, <laughs> I would appreciate well, it. Well, I'd be glad to give you pointers, uh, except for one little minor item. Uh, I can't claim a triple-digit IQ on social media myself, so, <laughs> but I, I will be able to. Uh, I, I can. Uh, I can help you at least in this sense. I can uh, applaud your doing so and bringing a, a great uh, mind and voice to social media, desperately needed. And we appreciate you taking on the. Uh, the challenge, and I know that uh, your uh, ever-growing and ever-larger audience 
will appreciate it as well. Cash, thank you so much, and we wish you the best. Uh, and uh, what is it's at Cash on Truth and social uh, other social media. And that's it. You can find me at, at Cash on Truth, and of course, my website fightwithcash.com, fightwithcash with a k.com. We continue to raise money and we continue to help people file lawsuits to be defamed by the mainstream media. Uh, so check us out there. And uh, since the color of my website is green and today is St. Patrick's Day, Lou, I wish you a happy St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> happy happy St. Patrick's Day to you, Cash. Thanks so much, Lou. Cash Patel, thanks for being with us. His handle on truth is at Cash. His website is fightwithcash.com. That's Cash with a K. Tomorrow, our guest will be the terrific New York Post columnist, Miranda Devine. Please join us. We want to invite you to sign up for our Great America show advisory and newsletter. Simply go to ludobs.com, that's ludobs.com, and click on the email newsletter button. It's as simple as that. And we'll send you our advisories and alerts, as well as our weekly newsletter, I don't want to overstate anything, but I'm pretty sure you will absolutely sense at least a small positive change in your world outlook. We invite you to join us and stay in touch. Thank you. That's ludobs.com. Thanks. God bless you. And God bless America.